you could please join me in praying a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So I don't know how your weekend was, but I just want to share a little bit of my weekend. Um, I went home this, uh, yesterday to go play with my nephews, Silas and Abel, and they are four and six years old. And during that crazy wind storm we had yesterday, they wanted to be outside and they had one of those sticks with, with like a spinner on it. And they were just having a blast out there. But that wasn't enough wind for Uncle Zachy, as they call me. Um, as we were out there, I got the leaf blower. It has like a super high power ac- ac- uh, option on it. So I took the leaf blower and just like put it right in front of their faces. And I might have blown the four-year-old over. But I didn't care because I was enjoying the day. I'm not going to let the weather disappoint me. And one, one decision I made uh, last year at, at New Year's, I said, I'm no longer going to allow the weather to deter how I feel. So whether it's rainy out or sunny out, or I don't, I don't care, uh, but I think so often we let the weather just kind of dictate our feelings, how we go up the day. And now we've gained a whole, no, whole another hour of sleep. So hopefully uh, you feel well rested. And if you don't, this homily is going to suck for you because I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go. And I think it's really important. We also sometimes look at like, what is the, what is the point of our readings today? And I think so often uh, we read these readings and they're confusing. And the, the point of the readings today, it's, it's all about the hope of the resurrection. Pope Benedict said that one who has hope lives differently. You know, Jesus offers us hope in, in his resurrection from the dead to actually live differently. And, and we've been talking about Pharisees and scribes the past few weeks, and scribes and Pharisees believe in the resurrection. As we heard today, here's my corny, corny joke for you, is, you know, here today from the Sadducees, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're so sad, you see. So now you know what a Sadducee is. But again, it's, it's important to, like, to like know like what hope is. And when we want to understand the definitions of words, we should always go to the catechism. And in paragraph 1820, it says that hope is the sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. I, I love that definition. It even goes on further to say that, that anchor that enters where Jesus has gone as forerunner on our behalf. You know, you think that when you and I are going to get swayed by the wind or the waves of the world, or even our emotions, um, we, we forget that Christ is meant to be our anchor. And anchors are a beautiful thing. If you've been out on sea and you don't have an anchor, it can be really scary to be treading on those waters. Um, but if you have an anchor, there's hope there. Even the symbol of an anchor is the, the Christian symbol for hope. And the Maccabeans, as we hear about them in our, in our first reading today, you know, they, they actually had hope that was so strong, an anchor that was so strong, they didn't even fear death. They were so convicted of the hope of the resurrection of the body that they would rather die than sin. You know, they're talking about just doing something as simple as, as, as eating pork, right? Which is a sin in their time. But they didn't want to do that, right? So they, they, they had so much conviction and hope that they would rather be killed than commit a sin. Even killed by a king. You know, one of the brothers we even hear from the reading, he, it says that, you know, he, he says to this king, he says, what do you expect to achieve by questioning us? We are ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. I love that conviction. I love that, that, that anchored hope, right? And now this king, it's important to know like what, what kind of culture they're going against. He's a Hellenistic king or a Gnostic king. And, and Hellenists don't believe in, in, in life after death. They might be like a higher power out there. But they didn't believe that there's actually more to this world. For all intents and purposes, he was an atheist. Sadly, it's very common for the first thought of one who is an atheist 
is one of hopelessness. You know, absolutely no purpose to my life. And even worse, the first thought of someone who's an atheist or even an agnostic is even considering suicide. Because if things don't go the way I want them to go, why, why even exist? And it's so important also to see like how the Old Testament is always fulfilled in the New. So seven brothers were arrested. Jesus was arrested. They were tortured. Jesus was tortured. They were whipped and scourged. Jesus was whipped and scourged. But just like Jesus, that, that didn't deter them from losing hope. And it wasn't strong enough, enough of a threat to make them surrender to a hopeless king. I kind of wonder for a lot of us, like, what are those hopeless kings in your life? Those things that you turn to that we call idols in the church uh, that you, you go to, but they won't make you happy. They won't actually give you hope. It's a really good thing to look at decisions you make. Like, will this actually bring me hope? But not just like a little bit of hope, but like everlasting hope. Hope that will last so when things are difficult, you won't bow down. You know, after that, that first brother said that to the king, the third one suffered a cruel sport. So they probably made fun of him. They probably shoved him around, locked him up, made a lot of fun of him. And this is what he says. He says, it was from heaven that I received these words. For the sake, sake of his laws, I did not disdain them. For him, I hope to receive them again. It says, even the king and his descendants marveled at the young man's courage because he regarded his sufferings as nothing. Like when you and I think about like actually how bad hell is and we think about how amazing heaven is, it makes this world seem like nothing. So after he died, they, they tortured and maltreated the fourth brother, thinking maybe, maybe we'll get this one, right? In the same way, trying, trying to intimidate him. That's what, what the evil one tries to do with you and I all the time. When he was near death, he said, it is my choice to die at the hands of men with the hope of God gives of being raised up by him. But for you, there will be no resurrection to life. Maybe you just ask yourself, like, like, do you have hope right now? If you do, like, thank and praise God for that. But if not, like, Jesus wants to heal that tonight. And right now, we're, we're in a series of healing the inner critic. We've been challenged and invited to spend time each day just to pause and, and rest on the heart of Jesus, like John the beloved disciple, and just listen to his heartbeat. Because every time his heart beats, if you listen closely, it says the words, I love you, I love you, I love you. And have you, have you been doing that? And the world wants to, wants to blow us around and, and wants us to stop and not listen to Jesus. But again, like sin gets old, but what never gets old is hearing the words, I love you, and knowing that you're loved. That, that brings hope to us. And last week we were challenged to come down from the tree, right? So Zacchaeus heard about him and he actually overcame his fear of shame and he actually went to Jesus and Jesus received him with joy. So it's all the time to think, well, if I, if I go to Jesus, there's no way he'll like me in this place in my life or that place in my life. But like, that's, that's not the gospel. It's not Jesus. And if you have been doing those things the past two weeks, like, like going to confession, like, like praise the Lord for that. But if not, um, there's another opportunity this week to start again. Because we, we go to confession to begin again because we just desire to be set free from our past and to, and to get a new start. And this week, we're actually invited to grow in our hope and also courage to a point that is so strong 
that we would actually rather die than sin against God who loves us. The challenge this week is, is very simple. I want, you to, I want you to make a list of like 10 things where you are just hopeless in, in your life right now. And I can think of 10 things. So if you, I can think of 10 things you can too. But write them out. It's really cathartic. Like it's good for your spiritual heart to write it out. But then I want you to take time in front of, in front of, in front of the Blessed Sacrament and just rewrite them with a hopeful what-if statement. Like when you think of your inner critic, right? That's a, that voice that comes up when you and I judge ourselves or judge others. Like how negative and hopeless are your thoughts at different times? And also like what are the situations that make those those inner, uh, inner critic, like what makes that the inner critic rise? What does hopelessness sound like? Hopelessness sounds like this. We all have days like this. Why do I even try? If I never get what I want, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just never going to be happy. Sometimes we think no one, no one cares about me. Like no one sees me. No one can help me. And no one will care, you know, if, if, I, if I go to confession. No one will care if I go to mass. No one will care if I go to Bible study. Sometimes all so, it sounds like this. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I, I just quit. Or for those of us who struggle with different addictions, it's, it's, it's that voice that says, um, I'm, I'm never going to overcome this. Or even, if, if God really knew me, I'm, I'm too far gone. And when I, when I think of going to events, like the free meal or going to a Bible study or whatever it might be, the in, inner critic sounds like this, nobody wants me around. And when it's really bad, it sounds like my life is meaningless. Things are never going to change. But the beauty is, is that hope sounds different, Right? Like, what if you and I stop, we just place our heads in the heart of Jesus and listen to him tell us that he loves us and we just stop being so hard on ourselves and other people. Like a voice, the voice of hope, the inner critic when it's being healed and is restored with hope, it, it's just like, like, God loves me. And he also loves so-and-so. Like when I'm, when I'm thinking about asking for help, it sounds like this. And it doesn't, I don't mean me as father. I mean like any priest, but like maybe father or one of the people at the Newman Center could help me. I'm going to go ask for help today. Also sounds like I, I, will, I will never quit. So when I look at the cross, like he died just for me. I would never quit on him. And the, the inner critic when it's healed also sounds like it's never too late for me. And it's never too late for that person. I can always start over from God. There's always hope for me. Hope also sounds like this is just a season, the voice of reason says, right? With time and prayer, things will get better. Like, there's different opportunities throughout our day where we just need a new start. And each second is always an invitation to start again. Like, St. Paul knew this. The, his letter to the Th- Thessalonians is so, so on point. Today, he says, we are in need of everlasting encouragement and strength. Like when you feel supported and when you feel encouraged, like how much more confidence and courage do you have? It's like through the roof, right? When you feel like you're not supported or no one cares about you or you second guess yourself or others, like our 
confidence just deflates so quickly. So he says, pray for us so that the word of God or the word of the Lord may speed forward and be glorified. So that means God's word wants to come to you quickly. Uh, we just have to make ourselves available to it. Because it says, as, as it did among you, that we may be delivered from perverse and wicked people. So that means like we should pray for good and holy friends. Like hope begets hope. And when you, when you again, when you live with hope, you live differently. And then you're able to endure as St. Paul ends his reading. When St. Paul wrote to the people of Thessalonica, he made a decision. You know, all of his words were, were well thought out, well prayed through, but hope is also a decision. And hope is a habit. You know, we all make decisions every day. But like, what are the best decisions to make to be more hopeful? You know, earlier tonight I asked you, what are some of the best decisions you've ever made? And I don't know what your discussions were, but like one of the best decisions I ever made was was consecrating myself to Jesus through Mary, which is known as Marian consecration. This is why this week we're going to start Marian consecration because some of us were like, I need to begin again and I need need a new start. Now, consecration actually means to be set apart, to be holy. And one of the reasons uh, often we we have hopelessness is because you know, we're not, we're not striving to become saints. Like 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, the will of God is your sanctification or your sainthood. And, and I think a lot of us know that deep down, we can always do better. And we fall into being fooled, into thinking sin will make us more. We become so hard on ourselves because we're not becoming the saint that, that we know is deep within us. And for those of you who are, are hopeless, like there, there is definitely hope for you. And it's always important to go back to Romans 5, 5, where St. Paul says, hope never disappoints. Hope never disappoints. So during the Marian consecration, we pray for 33 days to learn from the saints how to fully give ourselves to Jesus through Mary. And I just want to really warn you, like, Marian consecration is not for the faint of heart. Like, this is not meant to be, like, an easy thing to do. This is actually very demanding. But the saints did that, Right? So for that 33 days, you'll read from four different saints and we take 33 days of prayer to say, do I really want to give myself fully to Jesus through Mary? Because that's how Jesus did it, through Mary, right? So for the first week, we spend time with St. Louis de Montfort. He's from France and he had Celtic roots. So he was very familiar with having a fighting spirit. And it was actually his anger and his temper that got the best of him so often. Yet he actually came up, he's the one who came up with the idea of consecrating oneself to Jesus through Mary. But he said it's the it's most short, easy, secure, and perfect way of becoming a saint. So if you want to be a saint, but you also struggle with, with anger, you know, I highly recommend doing the Marian consecration, really focusing and praying for St. Louis de Montfort's intercession. The second week, we get to go hang out with one of my homeboys. I love St. Maximin Kolbe. He's from Poland, and he actually died in Auschwitz. He actually was in a concentration camp, and one day, people decided to escape. And when one person decided to escape, the intimidation method of the Nazis was to kill 10 people, saying, if you do this, 10 more will die. And that's what happened one day in Auschwitz. One of the men said, please don't kill me. I have a wife and children at home. And at that moment, St. Maximilian Kolbe stepped forward and said, I'm a Catholic priest. And he actually ended up walking past the prison guards and everyone was stunned at his courage. And he gave his life away freely. 
who would later be killed by a couple people a few weeks later in a starvation bunker. And people said in that bunker, it sounded like a cathedral because he was teaching people the hymns because he never lost hope. He knew he believed in the resurrection. He's also the patron saint of addicts. So if you have an addiction, I'd highly recommend doing the Marian consecration and really praying for the intercession of St. Maximilian Kolbe. The third week, we, we journey with one of the most popular saints in the modern day, who is Mother Teresa of Calcutta. You know, she saw extreme poverty in India. I, I don't know if you ever thought of what it would be like to be in India, but like there's two to six-year-olds just walking around aimlessly. No one there to help them, to care for them. The poverty was extreme. You know, the, the rivers there are, are just full of garbage and they're almost gray. And people bathe in that water. People brush their teeth with that water. And she chose not to lose hope in a place that looks hopeless. She believed that she, believed that she needed to be the one with Mary to satiate the thirst of Jesus. If you ever go to any of the convents with the missionaries of charity, there's always the words, I thirst. Like the Lord, not only does he love you, but he, he thirsts for you. If you look around campus, often I think of this campus, it just seems so much to me like, like Calcutta. It's so easy to become disheartened to see people just throwing their lives away with the hookup culture or the drinking culture. And if, you, if you've been disheartened by that, you're going to love journeying with, with Mother Teresa for the, for the third week. The fourth and final week is, is with a saint I think a lot of us are, we very much misunderstand. Like a lot of, I think a lot of us think saints always had perfect lives. It was always easy for them. The fourth week, we, we journey with Pope St. John Paul II. It's often said that, that nothing is more attractive than holiness. He actually exuded the presence of Jesus so much that people would just break down crying by being in his presence. Because Jesus was so alive in him and he had, the hope was so alive in him. But he had a really difficult childhood. And he believed like, either in life you have a choice when things are difficult. You can either get bitter or get better. You know, before he was born, his big sister died. He loved his mom and he called her the soul of our home. She died when he was four years old. His big brother, excuse me, he died when he, when she was, when he was eight years old. His big brother died, who he looked up to a lot, when he, uh, just four years later, when he was 12. That left him with his dad, who was his hero, who just gave him so much hope. His dad died when he was 19. And to make things worse, right at that time, the Nazi regime invaded Poland. And he actually went to seminary underground, under extreme difficult circumstances. And as soon as the Nazis left, you know, he was a Dana priest, and then he was a Dana a bishop, and all of a sudden, the communists from Russia came in. I can't imagine to be in those circumstances. To make things different, also difficult, is in the 1980s, he was, he was in his little Pope mobile, as they call it, um, and a Muslim man came up and shot him and almost killed him. But a year later, he would go into the prison and forgive that man. His papal motto was, Totus tuus Maria, totally yours, Mary. If you've been plagued with difficulties, you know, I, I think you're really going to enjoy spending the week with John Paul II and doing the, Mar the, the Marian consecration. So I think that he said it was a turning point in his life. That means it was one of the best decisions he ever made to get him through. 
The thing is, the saints, they just, they just never lost hope. They were anchored in the hope of the resurrection and the life-changing message of the gospel. They felt called by God and they answered. And it was with the Blessed Mother at their side. The whole way they offered hope to a world that seemed to be hopeless. Like they, they, they knew that statement that at Pope Benedict said, one who has hopeless differently. And just the last thing tonight, uh, it's, it's, it's Vocations Awareness Week. What is a vocation? A vocation is a, is a call from God. And the church teaches that everyone is called to be holy. There's this universal call of holiness. But God calls people from all different walks of life to give themselves to him completely. Right now, God's calling some of the, some of the men here to be a priest. You know, I, I love being a priest. And, and Mary has a great love for her priests. She helps priests who are open, because not all priests are open, to help them. Also, God's calling some of the women here to be his bride, to be a bride of Christ. And one of the reasons why the church is sick is because we just, we just don't see religious sisters so much. There used to be three religious sisters to every one priest in the 1970s. Now it's 1.1, 1.2 to every one priest. There used to be a convent at every single church. And, and most of you are being called to marriage, which is, which is clearly under attack. So you think like, well, I, I'm not, I'm not going to become a priest or a sister. Uh, don't think it's going to be so easy. I'm just going to warn you. Like the divorce rate's super high. Um, the, the evil one hates happy, holy, and healthy marriages. But the beautiful news is, is like when you go to the Newman Center, you see that statue of the Blessed Mother. Like she has her heel on the head of Satan. It's often a new, a new ritual. In a lot of marriages, you'll see people give a, a set of roses to the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know, Satan, has, Satan has confused and made so, and so, so many of us hopeless. But I, I, I 100%, 100%, believe in the power of marrying consecration. So much that even in my ring that I wear, I have engraved on the inside of it with the date of my ordination. It says, to Jesus through Mary on the inside of this. And my ring is made from the metal from my dad's ring. Inside, and on the outside it says, Ave Maria, which means Hail Mary. And I, I'm going to be offering up my marrying consecration for your vocations. And it's going to be hell for me. I don't expect it to be easy. The devil hates it when people discover their purpose, their calling in life. And I, I'm willing to suffer. Like the one thing the saints were willing to do is they were willing to suffer. And it's, it's Mary, who's known as, as, as the new Eve, broke the power of disobedience. She, she put a stop to hopelessness. She put a stop to it by bringing us Jesus. And we ask her to help us break the power of sin in our lives tonight. To make Jesus real to us. So I pray to Hail Mary at the beginning. Like Mary made God real. She gave him flesh. And Jesus came to offer us hope. To say, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the life and the resurrection. And the beautiful news is that you can be set free from all that holds you back. By being like Mary and giving God your yes. That's what she did. She gave her God her yes, her fiat. And I just want to close with us to renounce the spirits because our spirits are active, the spirit of hopelessness and confusion. Most of us were confused and it leads to hopelessness. So I'd first like us to renounce the spirit of confusion and then renounce the spirit of hopelessness. So if you could please repeat after me. 
In the name of Jesus Christ. I renounce the lie that everything is confusing. That I don't understand anything. And that it will always be up to me to figure things out on my own. In Jesus' name, I announce the truth that I have the mind of Christ. And that the Holy Spirit reveals whatever I need to know when I need to know it. I announce the truth that the Lord gives wisdom and understanding to anyone who asks. I announce the truth that God has given his church to lead me in all truth. I announce the truth that I have understanding and enlightenment from the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie that nothing ever changes and I will never have what I want. And I renounce the lie that my life is meaningless and that I have nothing to live for. In Jesus' name, I announce the truth that my hope is steadfast in Christ and that he makes all things new. I announce the truth that because my hope is in Christ, I will not be disappointed. I announce the truth that I am being transformed from glory to glory into the image of Christ and that God is at work in me and what he begins, he will bring to completion. Therefore, I am filled with hope in the good things to come. Amen. And Heavenly Father, through the authority of my priesthood, the authority of the church, in the most holy and sacred name of Jesus, through the immaculate heart of Mary and the most precious blood of Jesus, I command you, Satan, to get your hands off of every single student here on this campus, especially those gathered here tonight. And Mother Mary, I ask that you take your heel and you crush the head of Satan, especially for all those who are struggling right now. And Lord Jesus, I ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit in a new way upon all those who find themselves hopeless, find themselves confused. As you are going to be present on this altar, I ask you to make yourself present to every single person here in a new way tonight and today. And I make this prayer in the name of Jesus, who is Lord and Savior forever and ever. Amen. Amen.